Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. The Why Watch That Talk. Well, 2019 has served to be quite the adventure. Mm -hmm. Hey, Why Watch That was able to travel both in and out of the country, as well as all over New York City. Um, for what, what, of course, we're saying is goodbye to the 2019 film festivals. Yes, we were able to cover this year the uh, Sundance Film Festival in January. And then we moved on to the Tribeca. Actually, you know what? We got into Cannes, but we couldn't, <laughs> we did, we couldn't quite wrap, you know, get our funds together to get over there, but we'll be there next year, I'm sure. Um, and then we went to the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City, which was amazing for you to be able to, um, and the reason why I say it was amazing, not necessarily what was offered, because you just love not waiting in line. Oh my goodness, it was so chill. <laughs> it was like the, the chillest. Sundance is not, well, Sundance is literally chill, but not chill in a sense of <laughs> line. It's cold. And then we moved on to... Um, the Toronto Film Festival in uh, Toronto International Film Festival, excuse me. We were able Ooh. to cover that and it was pretty amazing. And we did the uh, Tribeca TV Festival. And oh we, are, we are wrapping up the year with the New York Film Festival, which has concluded. And I think I'm pretty proud of us this year. I think we, we did a, we, we covered some ground. Uh, yeah. You want to say all that again? Okay, we covered some ground. <laughs> no, I mean all of that, all of those festivals. I forgot half of them. Okay. <laughs> well, you didn't forget uh, the end of the New York Film Festival because you got to see three more um, movies that we will be reveal- reviewing in full once they're released. But you have some initial reactions. Both of us got a chance to see Marriage Story. I saw it at the Toronto International Film Festival. You saw it at the New York Film Festival. And both of us got to hear the um, director and actors kind of chat about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, So this will be on Netflix, my friends. Um, Is it a good place to go for this movie? Yes. Um, Now, Noah Baumbach, he's not new to this kind of story. Now, the marriage story, what do you think it's about? In the modern worst. times. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> not, not so we know that. We don't like that. We yeah. don't like to keep people together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, Noah, I remember the squid and the whale when I saw it. I remember going, who did this? This is the first movie. I couldn't believe it. Uh, because there was something personal about it. Um, and, and this one, so he was talking about it as well, Raph, and I'm sure you heard him say it, where that movie was from the kids' perspective. This is from the adults' yep. perspective. So it's a flip on it. Um, and I will say this, the, it's a comedy drama. It should be a comedy drama. Because mm. <laughs> the comedy 
was hilarious. You got, I mean, the the lead in the marriage story, the two leads of Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Okay. So they're going at it literally in certain scenes. But you have this trio of lawyers that you have to see to believe, played by Lardern, Alan Alda, and Ray Liotta. <laughs> Who comes up with that? And just casting wise, like it, but these three. That makes three. sense. That totally it makes sense. Yeah, like who would think of it? And then you go, it makes perfect sense. Yes. And they are each hilarious in different ways. I mean, you, that to me is what I take away, not even the marriage, but I will say this because I'm not reviewing. The end, they stuck the landing. Oh, I was like, no, this is yeah. how you end this story. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, it was very beautiful. So. It was sad and beautiful because it was like, yes. oh, why can't you guys? Mm. It. Mm. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I can't wait for us to talk about it for real. Yeah. You also saw Wasp Network, which actually you told me this. This Wasp Network was at the Toronto International Film Festival. I did not see it. But you said that they had a different cut mm. at the New York Film Festival. Tell us about that. Yeah, because uh, the director and, and writer, Olivier Asayas, or Asayas, you want to mm. not say the S. He, after it was screened at numerous festivals, he thought that he could have told the story more clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, so he made some tweaks. He actually made it a little longer. <laughs> he said, "Oh, well, interesting." Like a, it ended up being a few minutes longer, but it's a completely different cut. So this cut of the film premiered at the New York Film Festival. I was in, you know, the first audience to see it. Gotcha. Um, and and this is based on a true story of um, what's going on in Cuba back in the past, where certain people want Castro out. So this WASP network, there are really two things going on. There are some people coming from Cuba to the United States, to Florida, to try to fight against Castro. So you have an anti-Castro movement. And then you have some people coming from Cuba to uh, Florida in order to stop the anti-Castro people. But who's whom? That's the question. You may not know from the beginning. And who's in it? Penelope Cruz. Ah, yes. And Edgar Ramirez again after Gianni Versace, the, the American crime story. Yeah. Yeah, so they're back together again here, playing husband and wife. Uh, you have Wagner Mora, who was Pablo Escobar in Narcos. He's in this. And he took off, you know, the fat suit. That was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gael Garcia Bernal is in it. I feel like the Armas. Them, they're always together. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you have a great cast here. Uh, what I'll say is, Watching it, it glided by, and I don't mind gliding, but I didn't know where the landing was. I couldn't quite grasp it, but I will say, watching Penelope Cruz act with a baby is a revelation. So you'll have to see that. And they talked about this at the, in the talk, they were talking about this because somebody asked, what was going on with that baby? The baby was amazing. And she went and just said, look, I love babies. You know, I talked to the baby and there was something about this baby. They weren't, they brought the baby back ref in a different location, which was very challenging because the baby was oh. that good with Penelope. Oh, okay, okay. So that's one thing I certainly could say in the cast, of course, is amazing. Nice. Well, you ended your New York Film Festival with Motherless Brooklyn, which is uh, Ed Norton's directorial debut, 
Um, he does other things. You'll talk about that. But um, this was a, I think, a closer, I believe, uh, for the festival, like a major, one of the major films that closed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's based on the novel of the same name, but Edward Norton decided to push it back to the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Why? I'll give you two words. Film noir. Mm. My impression is Edward Norton knows a lot about film noir. I don't know if he knew it before he started this movie because he not only directed it, he wrote it, he's starring in it. I don't know, but it's like everything you can pull from film noir and put into a movie he did, all the techniques. And I think that's the problem. I think he forgot the story, he lost it. Now what's going on here, uh, there's this, this, I won't even give that away. There's a man who's working for, is it a criminal organization? Is it something else? You'll hmm. find out when you watch it. This man has challenges, namely Tourette syndrome. He doesn't even know that's what it's called. We know. Uh-huh. And so this causes a problem. Now, his boss is Bruce Willis. <laughs> and they have this certain bond. Something happens to Bruce Willis, and that something is what Edward Norton's character decides to get to the bottom of. Gotcha. And along the way, we have a, a great cast. You have Google and Batha Rod, you have Bobby Cannavale, you have Cherry Jones, you have Alec Baldwin, you have Willem Dafoe, you have Michael K. Williams, Leslie Mann, Dallas Roberts, Robert J. Wisdom is in it. I mean, my, 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 my. But it needed an editor. Oh. If you're gonna do film noir, we don't need as much talking. Mm. And I just think again, Edward Norton got lost in the technical didn't step back and go, wait a minute, what is this as a whole experience? That's the problem. But I am interested in what he'll do next. I hope that he looks at this and learns from it. Mm, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, overall, your New York Film Festival was pretty... Um, you, you saw a lot of things. Overall, you were kind of like, meh, about it? Yeah, some of the movies, yeah... I mean, but were there some things that I enjoyed? Absolutely. I saw The Irishman. Yeah, you did. Jealous. They could have just showed that and it would have been done. <laughs> you know, but uh, Marriage Story, I enjoyed. And there are others that um, I got something from. It was an interesting selection. Mm. Uh, and speaking of interesting selections. Yeah. You saw maybe the most interesting selection at TIFF. Now you will review it for us. It will be out in theaters uh, on Friday, October 18th. What are we talking about? Jojo Rabbit. Oi, oi. One now, people's you, choice. <laughs> oh, yes. And if you haven't heard of it, if you didn't hear the ref's intro to it during our TIFF coverage, you're about to get it. It's directed by Taika Waititi. Now, if you don't know Taika Waititi, think of the last Thor movie. He directed it. Think of what we do in the shadows. Mm. That comes from his brain. So you're going, when you hear what the ref's talking about, you're going, why is he directing this and writing it? Mm. based on a book. Now, it stars Roman Griffin Davis, Thomas and McKenzie from Leave No Trace. Taika Waititi, of course, is in it. He loves directing himself as a certain person. <laughs> Rebel Wilson is in it. Uh, and Sam Rockwell, Scarlett Johansson is popping up here and others. So tell us, Ref, oh, what boy. in the world is going on in this movie? Well, this is another one of those movies where it's polarizing. <laughs> and... <laughs> Maybe exactly for what you think. Okay, so it is the tail end of World War II. We all know what happens at the end of World War II. 
But unfortunately, Germany didn't, or did they know what was going to happen? You have a little boy whose name, they nicknamed him as Jojo. And he is an eccentric little boy played by Roman, as you said. Uh, very eccentric. Uh, is completely one of those boys who's excited about being a part of something bigger and greater, and he's a German. And he has an imaginary best friend. But before we get to the imaginary best friend, his mother, played by Scarlett Johansson, Rosie, sends him off to a camp. And this camp is full of little boys and little girls, little, little German, little blondies, little uh, German girls and German boys. And basically, their camp leader, played by Sam Rockwell, the captain says, hey, I'm going to make good German men and women out of you. And what does that mean at the tail end of World War II? Yes, it's a Nazi German. (laughs) It's a Nazi camp. It's a Nazi camp. It's preparing the next generation of Nazis who will carry on the beliefs and the... uh, the aspirations of their leader, as we know as Adolf Hitler. Little Jojo, I said, remember he has an imaginary friend? Well, he has this imaginary friend because he's not the most popular kid. He doesn't quite complete all the tasks in the camp. He's not the fastest, he's not the greatest, but he has the most heart because he and his imaginary friend talk every day and when there's anything major that happens to Jojo Rabbit, he consults with his imaginary friend. Who do you think his imaginary friend is? Oh, goodness. It is Adolf Hitler, yes, played by Taika himself. <laughs> and so now you're thinking, okay, what kind of movie are we in here? You're saying that this little boy has an imaginary friend in the guise of Adolf Hitler. And I'm saying, oh. absolutely. Now, as things go along, there's something that happens to Jojo that requires him to stay at home and be nursed back to health. And while he's at home, there is this mysterious, these sounds going on. And and Adolf, his imaginary friend, is like, what's going on here? We should be practicing, you know, our Cree. And we should be, you know, talking about how Jewish people eat their babies and all this horrible things, obviously done in a comedic way. Um, So, you know, there it is. And the the noises he hears appears before him. It's a little girl trapped in his walls. Now his mother doesn't quite believe what he's... He can't share with his mother what he's discovered. Who is this little girl? Why is she trapped in his walls? Is it a ghost? Is he imagining it? Is she real? Because she keeps popping up all over everywhere. (laughs) Staring the daylights out of little Jojo and Adolf. Both of them are scared. (laughs) And come to find out, it's a little Jewish girl. And somebody's been hiding her in Mm. his walls. Who is it? I'm not going to give it away who it is. I'm not going to give it away what happens because of her being in the walls. Because remember, it's a hostile Germany. And the Jews are supposed to be out at the... They don't call them camps. They call them... They take train rides. (laughs) Little Jojo goes, send him on the trains. And um, then finally we have Scarlett Johansson coming to terms with there's a little girl in her wall. Does she have any part of that? Is there a whole secret of Jojo that he doesn't know about him and his family? 
is this really going to be a war that he's going to win? How is his relationship with his imaginary hero and friend pan out by the time you get to the end of this movie? Well, that's Jojo Rabbit. And of course, in between, you've got all kinds of characters. Again, you don't cast Rebel Wilson for nothing. Right. And you don't cast Sam Rockwell for sure for nothing. Mm. Um, or, or even Stephen Merchant for that. Uh, or Archie Yates, uh, which you will find more about about that little kid. He is a star. That's all I have to say. So this is kind of the review. Or it is the review. Jojo Rabbit is a satire. It's labeled on their posters as an anti-hate satire. Hmm. And they have to do that because the character that Taika plays is Adolf Hitler. And the little things that he gets Jojo, little troubles and the little ways that kind of you know, the, the, the little situations that he gets Jojo in are situations that are interesting. You know, Tyker helped um, bring this to life in his screenplay. The, the situations that get him into trouble kind of boils down to this quote from the movie that I wrote down um, when I saw it at the film festival. And that is, you're not a Nazi, Jojo. You're a 10-year-old kid who likes dressing up in a funny uniform and wants to be part of a club. Mm. And that is definitely a comment on some of the hate groups that we see today. And so when you see Adolf Hitler, you see Taika, who does, I I hate to say it, but I mean, he does a great job. (laughs) He's hilarious. He's funny. And not to like make Hitler funny, but to show the ridiculousness of the thoughts. And by the time you see the very end of his character, you see, you know, what he boils down to. I thought it was a very interesting, smart choice to make it a satire and not treat this as the next, um, what was that Spielberg movie? Um, with, Schindler's uh, List. Schindler's List, or that's not Taika's style. Then you have Scarlett Johansson who plays this wacky cadoodle mother who may be hiding more secrets than you think she's hiding. And I thought she was a, a great choice because she couldn't look more German. And we know that, you know, Scarlett Johansson in real life is Jewish. And, uh, but she's blonde and blue haired or blonde and blue eyed. And it just was a, a good fit. Now, Sam Rockwell's character, the captain of these little boys, um, he plays a certain character himself. <laughs> who It seems like everybody's hiding something. And his character certainly is hiding something major. Um, that you will find out and he is hilarious Um, by the time you get to the end of this experience and we'll kind of wrap it up you realize that if you know Taika at all he likes to do things in extreme and ironically not everybody wants to see this particular part of history in an extreme manner Mm-hmm. And that's why it's got polarizing reviews. That's why some of the critics loved it or hated it. Um, it did get People's Choice Award, which it, TIFF is a is an indicator for Best Picture. They called it year after year after year. Definitely not just only a winner, but they have def. If you get the People's Choice Award at TIFF, you most likely will at least be nominated. Mm-hmm. And so the thing about Jojo Rabbit, if you choose to go see it this weekend is that if you're going to watch it, I would suggest watching it in the eyes and light of Taika 
Watiti. 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 <laughs> Watch it in his eyes because if you go in and making it personal and acting like it's real and you know how dare he make light of the situation i think the point is to make light of it and not light of it as in it's the point is people are making light of 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 some of those hate groups that are out there today and how easy it is to slip into how ridiculous it is and i thought it was very smart to do it in the eyes of a child because a child will believe anything a child will have anybody be his hero and a child doesn't do things because they believe, oh, this is the right thing. It believes because they were told. And so I think that if you choose to go see it, realize that you're not seeing somebody who's making fun of the Holocaust or making fun of the terrible things or making light of it. But instead, he's asking us to examine just how easy it is for something of this nature to come to pass if we don't truly look at what we're doing and see who our heroes are and why there are heroes and why we do the things that we do. Why do we choose to do the things we do? Now, I will say it's a rough, a little rough movie, meaning it d dives in and out of genres. So it is satire, but then to his detriment, I think, he's decided to take some serious turns. And it all, it didn't, it didn't land. He even, he even had elements of horror, um, especially when we're introduced to the little girl on the walls. So it, I wasn't ready to take the turns with him all the way. But by the time I got to the end of it, I thought it was an experience and I did appreciate him for the experience. And certainly you will be talking about it. Wow. Well, I think that's a wrap. Yeah. on the film festivals this year, Ref. Wow. Amazing way to end it. And I'll say this, Jojo Rabbit is almost indicative of this movie year. We have some strange things going, some interesting interpretations of old ideas, and we'll see how that pans out throughout uh, awards season to yeah. come. Ugh. <laughs> so don't worry, everybody. 2020 is coming, and that means more movies will be coming. It never ends. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.